When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hi, it's Dan from Desert Island Dicks. This episode features the wonderful Nick Helm. Uh, he's up in Edinburgh at the minute doing his show, so there's still time to go and see him. And uh, yeah, I would have put this episode out sooner to let you know there's more time to see his show, but unfortunately I screwed my back uh, last week like an old, old man, and that's delayed things somewhat. But look, hey, he's still up there. You can still go and see him, so I suggest you do. If I'm honest, we had a bit of a catastrophe because um, my audio, it turns out, even though I recorded the whole thing, when we come to play it back, the file is corrupted. So we only got half an hour of my audio. So basically, at some point during the podcast, it's going to switch to some inferior quality audio. I think you can get through it if you really put your mind to it. So I think you should just crack on and just... Just enjoy yourself and not even worry. By the time the audio changes over, you'll be so dialed in. I don't think you'll care. But, you know, I'm just letting you know. It's a podcasting tradition to apologize for audio at the start of a, of a, a podcast, I think. So, you know, I'm just following those who came before me in the grand tradition of our medium. Speaking of our medium, uh, we're taking part in a comedy podcast festival in October. You can get tickets. It's called the Cheerful Earful Podcast Festival. Um, we're kicking it off on the first night, which is Thursday, the 6th of October, with a very special guest who I know you'll love. So um, get tickets from the link in the description bit of this podcast episode information thing, um, or you can just Google Cheerful Earful Podcast Fest. Uh, I've also put the link up on our Twitter maybe also our instagram i need to check that but look i think i trust you i think you can find it so you will you'll get there you're going to get there we can do this together and then hopefully in october we can meet up and hang out and have a drink and just shoot the breeze uh, it would be lovely to meet you so i hope to see you there okay enough of my waffle on with the podcast it's desert island dicks with nick helm Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest and here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is comedian, actor and musician Nick Helm. How are you doing? Hello, hello. I'm all right, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. You're, so you're, you're up in Edinburgh at the minute, you're in the middle of things? Yes, I'm in the middle of the festival. From what I have heard, that can be quite a draining experience, or it can be a quite positive experience. <laughs> How are you finding it at the minute? I, I think it's always both. I think, or, or maybe it's not always positive. <laughs> I don't know. 
Uh, I've always found it positive. I not I can't speak for everyone, but it is just exhausting just doing stuff. It's really weird as well because you kind of like um, my show's on at five twenty five, so it's not like in the evening and it's not really the afternoon. So I have quite a gentle morning that leads up to this one hour of doing a show, and then I'm finished by six thirty, and. It's absolutely exhausting. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's kind of like, why is it? Why is it so exhausting? I don't know. But like having to, I suppose having to do it every single day, and it's not necessarily that that the show is exhausting. It's that the schedule is just sort of like you just got to do it every single day. It's like you know, there's no there's no days off. Although I do get a day off on the seventeenth, but yeah, it's just sort of like. You do that and then you do it again and then you do it again until, yeah, the end. And I think everyone's sort of like proven what they need to prove in the first four days. And so it's just, like, <laughs> it's just mean, really. It's just yeah. a cruel festival. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. So, I mean, we're about to go through a list of people and things that, you know, you would hate to be stuck with on a desert island. I don't want to, I mean, you seem like you've got quite a positive outlook in general uh, from the little chat we're having before we started recording. <laughs> like, you know, I'm anxious not to kind of put you in a bad mood and affect your show later on. But I mean, maybe it could be a cathartic experience for you, you know, you shed any remnants of negativity and then you're fully 100% feeling positive. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but you know, I've been thinking about, I can't remember when you asked me to do this, but it was, I've been thinking about this for weeks and I'm, <laughs> my list of people that I don't want to be stuck on a desert island is either too true, <laughs> too true to say out loud or no, no one else really bothers me. So I'm just gonna, maybe I'm just gonna think about it from like a, an Edinburgh point of view. Okay. And, um, and I'll see how I feel about it, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Well, hopefully it won't make anything too awkward. Or maybe, you know, like <laughs> if if, if if anything awkward happens and people realise you're talking about them or alluding to anything they've done, then maybe it'll be it'll do you a favour and they just will never deal with you ever again. So yeah, who sure. knows? Okay, right, your plane has crashed. Who's going to be the first person with you on the island? The first person... I mean, it's a weird question as well because I'm literally picking people that I wouldn't want to be on an island with. Mm. Are you the guy in charge of um, of putting these people on the plane with me? Yeah, I guess I'm probably the person. You know, I don't know what do you call them. Like, is it the steward, the person who takes your ticket and sends you off down the ramp? I don't know. Yeah, really. and, and the architect. And, yeah, but you're like, yeah, you're like the god of this game, right? So I could lie to you, and I could just say three people that I really like, and then I'd be stuck on an island with them. But that's not the game, is it? It's not really the game. I mean, you could, if you can, if, you know, if you can convincingly say, well, there'd be a pain in the ass," and then, the, you know, the joke's on me later on. But um, I mean, I don't mind. I'm not, I'm not too strict about it, Nick, I'll be honest. It's a, it's a, it's a light-hearted throwaway podcast. No, it's not light-hearted. That's the thing. You've asked <laughs> me to do this, and it's, it's involved a lot of introspection here. Um, now, here's the other thing. Am I the only comedian on the island? It's, it's a desert island. And mm. there's just going to be me and these three other people on. That's on right. Yeah. If I'm in charge of entertainment, I would say one of the worst people I could have on the island would be um, an over-enthusiastic audience member. <laughs> okay. Like, why are they so bad? What, an over-enthusiastic audience mm. member? Well, an enthusiastic audience member is fantastic. 
Um, but an over an over enthusiastic audience member can be as disruptive as uh, an angry heckler. <laughs> okay. So I do like audience interaction and I bring people up on stage and I talk to them and you find that there's sort of like a sweet spot that you hit with someone that's enjoying it, but not enjoying it so much that they're sort of a, fr a frustrated performer themselves. Mm. And so when I get people on stage, I sort of just want them to be natural and just to sort of like do what they're being told to do. And then if they follow sort of like the instructions then they end up looking like an absolute superstar. However, you sometimes get people that want to add a little bit too much <laughs> and then and then they end up sort of like derailing the entire show. And when you're sort of on stage trying to pick who you're going to use, you know, you've got to be kind of like instinctive about it. So I always, whenever you see people on the front row or in the second row, or I, t I you know, I don't always pick people on the front row. Um, you, you, you look at them and what you want is you want someone that's enjoying the show but not enjoying the show uh, too much. And someone that's not enjoying the show too little. You just want just the right amount of enjoyment. So if they're over enthusiastic, they can kind of like absolutely destroy, <laughs> destroy <laughs> They can destroy everything. And then the whole audience ends up hating them. And then you as a performer, as the person that got them involved in the first place, you look like you've done it deliberately to sort of like show this person up. And that's not the intention. The intention is to make them look like a superhero. But, um, <laughs> yeah, sometimes they, they destroy it all by themselves and you can't do anything about it. Yeah, yeah. So knowing your limits. So I guess, yeah, if you're stuck with this sort of person on the island and they're a bit over-enthusiastic and towards your comedy, uh, your performance, then it kind of feels like they're just going to be a bit unbearable for the rest of the time as well. Maybe just a bit over-sure of themselves, a bit too kind of, yeah, just a bit tiring. Yeah, well, you just know straight away. You say, uh, hey, how about you? Would you cut? And they're like, yep. And they're up on their feet before <laughs> they even... And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Not you. Not you. There needs to be someone with a little bit of self-doubt in them to kind of... So that they can overcome it and they can be like um, a success story. Yeah. Rather than someone that's pushing you out of the way and, <laughs> and taking over and kind of destroying it. Well, I think that makes sense. I just think that that sort of the sort of person that is too enthusiastic when they've been picked out of an audience at a comedy show is also. I just think the sort of traits that makes that person that enthusiastic is just going to make them quite an annoying person. And as you say, maybe a frustrated, frustrated performer, or maybe just just overconfident with no reason to be. So you kind of think, what else are you going to be annoying about? Yeah. Oh gosh. Now I'm understanding the implications of this imaginary audience member being too enthusiastic to get on stage has a knock-on effect for every aspect of their entire life <laughs> okay fair enough well let's move on to the next person and see how they they uh they get along with the first pick uh who's your second choice my second choice is now we're in the festival is um slow people people that walk slowly mm. people that walk slowly and have no um spatial awareness in terms of other people. So there's three of them walking uh, along a pavement towards you and you're on your own and then you end up walking in the road to sort of get around them. People like that, but in Edinburgh there's like thousands of them wherever you go. <laughs> you're literally, I'm quite safe because I live about 10 minutes away from my venue. So I leave my flat 10 minutes before, not 10 minutes before, but like 
40 minutes before I have to go on stage. I get to my venue half an hour before I go on stage. I do it all. I do my stuff. I do the show. And then uh, I leave and I come home again. And so I'm quite like in and out. But in the few times I've been caught in it, when you need to get somewhere, then um, either people that are walking slowly or, pe- or, or, or the other thing about Edinburgh is that um, it takes you so long to get anywhere because you know everyone. So you bump into people every 10 feet and you end up having to have a long conversation or not even a long conversation, but everyone has the same conversation. They all go like, um, hey, how are you doing? How's your show going? And everyone talks about how their show is going and everyone's got like a thousand uh, thousand yard stare where they're kind of like staring off into the middle distance because they're all shell shocked by how exhausted they are or how badly their show's going or how amazing their show's going but they don't want to sort of like tell anyone <laughs> or brag about it and so I just think like um, maybe maybe the answer to this is um, if I was to be trapped on a desert island it might not be with um, anyone that would choose to spend a summer at the Edinburgh Festival because <laughs> because I think there's a certain level of um, uh, masochism involved in spending an entire month up there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, we could go with those. We could go with those two people if you want. So you've got an, an annoying person with a lack of self awareness in public, and you've also got a, a, a fellow performer at the festival. Um, or someone who decides to spend a month at the festival? I'm very pro. I'm very pro performers at the festival. I'm a performer and I think it would be disingenuous for me to throw us all under the bus. Mm. But um, we are annoying as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you have to flyer. You have to flyer. And flyers, you know, um, get treated well. I don't know how they get treated. I've not met my flyers this year. I normally take my flyers flyers out for a drink, but um, but flyers um, are sort of uh, yeah. I think they're an easy punching bag. So I would never say flyers, but when you've already accepted the same flyer already, and then you say, "Oh, I've got that one," and then they persist with the sales pitch. It's kind of—I don't know. I mean, I don't. I'm really clutching <laughs> at straws here. I don't have a problem with. I don't have a problem with anyone. And when I'm at an arts festival, if someone was annoying someone else with my flyers, I'd be really grateful. So, <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe it's just. Maybe it's just. It's audience members when they're not in a show. Okay, sure. All right. Well, we can go with that. I used to work, uh, I mean, my job, I don't I don't have to go into the office anymore, but it was based in central London. And um, after work, if I work late, often the worst thing to be caught with is when you hit the theatre traffic and everyone's been to a musical and, you know, you're trying to get on the train home. You're really tired because you've been working late. They're all happy because they've seen a musical uh, depending on which musical, you could make judgments on their sort of mental state or the sort of person they are. Um, <laughs> I don't mind how quickly or slowly someone does something, but it does sort of directly affect you. You know, when you're going, this is my goal to get to this place and someone's just like, just sort of blocking you subconsciously. Yeah, I think that the speed of the person is not the issue. It's when it's combined with lack of awareness of what's around them. And then it's yeah. like, hang on a minute, you are actually going out of your way to stop me from doing what I want to do. That's the that's that's the problem. Slow people are fine, and uh, and walking around in London 
it's it's really quick. But when it's <laughs> but when you're in um, but when you're in the middle of the festival and everyone is walking, kind of like everyone's got their own agenda. Everyone's got their own. Uh, show that they're late for everyone's got their own thing that they're doing and 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 it doesn't um it doesn't gel with what anyone else is doing so it's just absolute chaos and then mm. if you're on your way somewhere and you know where you're going and then people just stop dead in front of you mm. and uh and then you've got to sort of work your way around them i just find that unbearable yeah, I mean, and we if we put it into an island context, you know, you your your shelter's blown over. You've got to go and get some more palm fronds from the the area where they grow very quickly to repair repair it because you know there's a storm coming. And this guy or woman is just in your way, just constantly going, "Oh yeah, okay," and you're just just trying to get past them to get things done. It's just it's just annoying, you know. It is, but I also feel that by being non-specific, I'm actually um, offending more people. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't think that. I think the thing. I think you're okay because I don't think anyone identifies as this kind of person. Do you know? No one thinks. Oh no, but I'm like that. Yeah, I walk really slowly in people's way. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, no one's that person. It's yeah, always everyone, someone else. Everyone thinks they've got cat-like reflexes, and that like you're not yeah. the sort of person that comes and stands in front of someone in the in a gig. But you know, everyone hates those people. It's like, oh, I just fucking stood right in front of me at a gig, but no one goes, yeah, actually, I do that. Oh, well, they're people, aren't they? When you're at a mm. gig, and it's sort of like, um, ah, where was I? I went to see something at Coco in uh, in London, and. Um, someone was coming through and I stepped aside so that they could go through and they just took the space that I was stood in and just stood mm. there. And it was like, I've only taken half a step and I'm sort of leaning on the person I was stood next to. There's not enough space for two people. There's enough space for one and a half people. Mm. And now there's one and a half people stood there because I'm taking up half a spot. Yeah, people like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's fine. I think you're allowed to offend those people because... Okay, yeah. right, yeah, because yeah, so. they're assholes, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Sure. And um right, can we can we get a final one out of do you think we can ring out a final a final person joining you on the island? Yeah, Finn Taylor. Finn Taylor. Okay. Okay. What is it about Finn? He's he has been a guest on this podcast recently. Yeah, um, right, has so, he? Yeah. 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 So I would ha- I'd hate to be I was stuck on an underground journey with him once and it was absolutely insane. Um <laughs> before we went on it. Um, he uh, before we went on the tube journey um, there was a little we'd done a gig in Putney and there was a little booth on the uh, and this happened like eight years ago and I'll never forget it um, there was a little uh, con- con- confection sort of booth before he got into the actual tube stop and so he bought himself a large bag of Doritos Heatwave crisps mm-hmm and and nothing else. And it was like a 40-minute journey. And I was like, aren't you going to get like a drink or anything? Because, you know, Doritos heat waves, because they're like heat wave as well, they're like the driest, they're the driest crisp I think that you could get. <laughs> and I was just like, are you, are you not going to get a drink? And he said, no. And then we, I, I couldn't believe it. We got on the underground together and I just watched him eat a grab bag. This is a grab bag. It's not just a regular bag. <laughs> a grab bag of Dorito chili heatwave crisps. And he just ate the entire packet in front of me. You know, and like he, 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 just casual, like, you know, he, he, he like, like it didn't, 
Like it didn't phase him at all. And I just thought he must have like the driest mouth on the planet right now. And and he just seems to be sort of like so nonplussed by it all. I just thought that 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 casual that casual kind of like you know, throwing his own hydration at kind of like the mercy of a packet of Doritos was kind of, um, I thought it was mind-boggling, really. To be honest, though, <laughs> now that I've said it out loud, he'd be the exact sort of person that you'd want on a desert island because he can obviously go for days and days without any water, so he could sort of like be the hunter and gatherer. Maybe he'd be like a like a covert kind of like benefit, maybe, in some ways. As long as he was out doing stuff, as long as he was out doing stuff, and I, I wasn't sort of like having to spend lots of time with him, it was, it was absolutely astonishing. Well, you know, I mean, you say he might be an asset on the island. I'm just hearing that story. I'm not feeling. I'm not thirsty, but I've had to take a sip of water just from imagining that situation. So, I mean, you're there trying to bust your ass, like getting drinking water, and obviously, it's great if he's not. You know, he's not annoying you by taking all the, you know, more than his fair share of drinking water supplies. Sure. But if you're sort of seeing him, you know, working away, maybe having the odd swig of seawater now and again, you know, it's just, I think it would just make you feel horrendous. Well, yeah, but I think even you, when you were describing that back to me, you must have been thinking that would actually be an asset to have. Yeah. Like if you could, if he could just drink loads of seawater he would sort of act as like a filtration unit and you could actually <laughs> drink his piss, couldn't you? I mean, that would be... that. Would be, so maybe having Finn Taylor around would be... This happened eight years ago and it's <laughs> and it's haunted me. It's haunted me ever since. <laughs> have you have you brought it up with him ever? Or is it just yeah, just loads. Too, too I brought, much, it up, yeah. brought it up with him loads. Um, I haven't talked to him in a, in a, in a while. Um, I'm pretty sure he, he thinks that I've got over it by now, but I haven't. I haven't. I'll never, I will never get over that tube journey from Putney to central London where he just like, and I was just like, I was begging him. I was begging him, Finn, please, please. Get, if not, if not, a, if not a Coke, then a water, a bottle of water, something to wash it down with, you know, but he just... You know, I guess he just likes enjoying stuff separately. Like this mm. is these are the crisps, and then once I've done that, I'll might have a drink later. But ah, oh. yeah, it was it was frustrating, and it was it was a nightmare. I don't use these words lightly. It was a nightmare tube journey from hell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Nick, it seems like you're a very compassionate person, so I think even though it would be an advantage on the island, I think it would just it would do your head in just watching him. I think you'd just be begging him to drink, like you'd be worried about him, even if, you know, he is this uh, machine-like creature that we've sort of imagined him to be, where, you know, he doesn't need normal human rates of hydration. You know, it's like, as a parent, you know, seeing your kid go out without a coat, you know, it's like, yeah. come on, but you're going to need it. You're going to you're gonna take on this sort of father figure role, but, you know, and that would probably cause some animosity down the line, and it's just, it's yeah, it's too much. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if I wasn't worrying about him full-time, um, he'd be creating um, fresh nightmares every day for me to sort of have to have to deal with. And, and if mm -hmm. I haven't got, like, a therapist on the island, then... Um, I just need easy-going people that eat crisps with soft drinks. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, and I, I think that's just that's fair. That's very fair. It's, it's too much. 
Okay. All right, Nick, we have your people picked, and I know that was, was a tricky task for you, so we're going to move on. Mercifully, amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they, and why are they so bad? Okay, well, my least favourite food, I would say, you know when um, you go into Sainsbury's and you get like a melon medley... Um, uh, pot selection yeah and you have like three different types of melon sometimes when you open up the watermelon it's quite fuzzy and furry yeah not visibly you know but like to the taste to the bite so i would say um fuzzy watermelon is um is on my list yeah because it's such it can be such an incredible thing you know especially when it's hot it's so hydrating it's hydrating it's absolutely hyd- I mean we're back on hydration <laughs> again but yeah it's like when it's not at its full potential you know it's the same with like I love apples and when there's an apple that you think is going to be crisp and then you bite into it it's that sort of flowery yes. soft dry thing it's, it's and you never thing. know until you've bitten do you, you never know mm. It's like Russian roulette, basically. Yeah, I think any time when you're you're dealing with something that you know could be amazing and it's just not quite there is just an incredibly frustrating thing. It's like you'd rather not have it at all. I'd rather just not be teased like that. Sure, I, yes. I mean, they've uh, they've set a rod for their own back, really, haven't they? Because, you know, a watermelon has set such an incredibly high standard for itself that anything less than... The absolute best is unacceptable. Yeah. We know watermelon's got it in him. Or her. <laughs> exactly. Okay, and what would you what would you wash it down with? What would your drink choice be? Funnily you should say that. My uh, the worst drink that I can think of is Diet Coke with cherry. Mm. Yeah. Now now I'm a massive Pepsi Max cherry fan. Um uh I've got a routine about it in my show. I uh, take photos of it um, almost every day and on and put it on Instagram when I'm in London. But in the festival, I'm doing something else with my Instagram. But um, I love PMC, Pepsi Max Cherry. It's absolutely the drink of the gods. And also, when I was a kid at school, I used to really like Cherry Coke or Cherry Coca-Cola. I used to really love it. And I love those machines that you get in kind of like Five Guys or at the cinema where you can kind of like, um, you know, press all the buttons and make your mm. own drinks. So I don't have a problem. I think Coca-Cola or Pepsi and cherry is a perfect combination. But there's something that they do with diet. It's because it's not called cherry diet Coke or diet Coke cherry or whatever. It's called diet Coke with cherry. Like it's this additional flavor that they've added into it. And the cherry doesn't taste like cherry. It tastes like it tastes like really watery chemicals. It's like absolutely. This it's like you've already made a successful drink for forty years called cherry coke, and then all you need to do is take the sugar out of it, and there's something that's been absolutely lost in translation where it tastes it tastes gross. It's disgusting. So diet coke with cherry is my my drink of choice. It's weird, isn't it, with all those drinks because. There's so little natural in all of them, but you get it right and it's it's an amazing drink. Yeah. You know, it's like in a science fiction film. It's like... Oh. Hi, it's Dan. Sorry to interrupt, but it is at this point which my audio corrupted and so we're going to have to revert to the backup recording. I hope it doesn't annoy you too much, but it's better than not putting out the episode at all. That's what we think. So anyway, 
on we go with slightly different audio. Well, Nick, we're going to move on from your food and drink choices because fortunately you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite film of all time and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? Now, I don't know if it's my least favourite song of all time, but what I would say is that I really hate it. Uh, It's Careless Whisper. Mm -hmm. I, I hate it. Is it a sax solo? Um, yeah. I was in Edinburgh the other day uh, and, and for the rest of my life, but I, um, I was, I'm in Edinburgh <laughs> and my headphones were on shuffle and Baker Street came on on shuffle. And I was just like, oh, this is an incredible sax solo. And then I was just thinking, do I like any other sax solos? And then um, it brought me straight to Careless Whisper. And even when I was a kid, I was just like, oh, I hate this song. I think it's probably because when I was a kid and Wham had first sort of come out, Wham were like a fun group. And um, and I don't even know if Careless Whisper is Wham or if it's just George Michael, but it was like a grown-up song. And I, and I knew that like my, my mate's sisters who were like older than us, I know that they used to like Careless Whisper and... And I just thought, well, it's not for me, but maybe one day I'll grow into it. And I'm 41 now and it's never, I've never, I've never grown into it. I've always just hated that song. This might, I don't, I've never quite pinned down why it makes me feel like this, but it makes me sort of think, possibly it played when I was in one once, but it makes me imagine like a really depressing, bad carvery, you know, where just (laughs) everything's a bit shit. Do you know what I mean? When it's like, it's not quite a Weatherspoon, but it's sort of like, it's just a bit too quiet. The pub's a bit too big for the amount of people in it. You know, everything's everything's too dry or too watery. Sure. You know, and that's on in the background and it's like, because it's a classy joint. You know, like, I think, I don't know if these places still exist. I think, going back to the sort of, these sort of places when it when it uh, when the song came out, but you can sort of see what I, th- I mean. I think, they, I think they still exist. For me, it just always reminds me of someone... Uh, on the dance floor at the end of the night having a sad lonely wank (laughs) (laughs) George Michael you know he's got he's he's not complete you know he's not he's done some good stuff as well but I feel that's I don't think we can overlook that I'm not I, I I'm not saying anything about George Michael I'm saying that this specific song and we made it the hit all he did was wrote it and recorded it Right, but we made it the hit that it was. It turned into an absolute monster. Maybe it's his biggest hit. Um, I hate it. Yeah, it's terrible, and it's a it's a bad song to be stuck with as well. I mean, it's it's you know it's not upbeat. It's droney and slow, and I, you know I don't know if it's even is that long, but it feels long. Yeah, you know even if you don't buy into the 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 soul of the song it's still going to sort of make you feel downbeat and, and introspective. Yeah, and you can't, like, dance with someone for it. It's such a, it's a song about deceit and and loneliness and deception, and it's kind of like, it's not like a romantic song that you're meant to sort of like... So it was almost like, by its intent, you were meant to listen to it and enjoy it, if you can enjoy it, by yourself. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just think it's a bit of a... It's a bit introspective maybe it's just a real mood killer yeah it's a mood killer it's a buzz kill if you've had a great night and then you get into the cab and they've got that on the radio it's just like 
<sighs> you know, and you've got a long journey home. It's really hard to remain upbeat without putting your headphones in or telling him to change the channel. Yeah, everything's a little bit shitter when that song is playing, I think. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah, yeah. It's a strong choice. Okay, and what about your film choice? The film choice, now, I'm not sure if this is really fair because I started watching it the other day and then I never finished it. <laughs> You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. I was watching a film called The Internship, starring Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson. Okay. I almost hated it on sight. Like as soon as it started, I just had a bad feeling about it, and then we got about halfway through, and it's just like, actually, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna finish this. Yeah, I hated the internship. For a while, there was that relationship with Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson. I think when they did the wedding crashes, and it was probably like to capitalise off the back of that, wasn't it? To sort of they did the wedding crashes, and I think it was pitched as sort of like not a sequel, but like, um, a f- hey, you like that? Well, then. You'll like this. It's the same team behind the wedding crashes. But the thing about the wedding crashes was, and, and it happened like 10 years later. So it, it did sort of like, it was capitalizing on it, but at the same time, it was sort of like too late. Mm. Uh, the thing about the wedding crashes was the wedding crashes was, and I don't know how well the wedding crashes has aged. I suspect it's aged very badly, but <laughs> it was really entertaining at the time. Um, I haven't seen it in years, but like it was a sex comedy. And so they decided that they were going to make a sex comedy. And it stars Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn. And you've got Vince Vaughn, who's sort of like the bad boy. And then you've got Owen Wilson, who's the romantic lead. And it sort of like has its cake and eats it. It's sort of, you know, and the fact that there's two of them sort of benefits the story. And then you've got mm. the internship, which feels like it was written for one person and then they've just split them in half. And it's like a 1980s uh, big business comedy where a couple of slobs turn up and then they... Um, uh, well, it's slobs versus snobs. So it's sort of like Caddyshack or Ghostbusters or something <laughs> like that, where you've got a couple of guys that... Um, uh, are trying their luck at something and then they go against the establishment and they succeed. I imagine that's where it's heading. I've only got halfway through. <laughs> but but so it's not a raunchy sex comedy, but what they've done is they've tried to sort of like shoehorn, oh, here's a scene where they all go to a strip club. And you kind of like go, well, none of the rest of the film is like that. Also, it's just a massive advert for Google. So they, they didn't make up a company that they work for. They get a job at Google and then they're just advertising Google for the entire film. And then there's like, oh, and um, you remember the wedding crashes? That was all, had sex in it. Well, we've got one scene shoehorned in where they're in a strip club and then everything else is like an advert for Google. And you've got... Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn that are trying to spin gold out of absolute... There's no script. There's nothing. And there's not even, like, two... Their way of, like, turning one character into two characters is just that they're in every single scene together and they just split the lines up between them. It's like they they don't have, like, different personalities or anything like that. You know, there's a scene where they do an interview where they're on sort of, like, a Zoom call and they're doing the interview over the internet. And... 
it, that's aged badly because we're all really used to what a Zoom call is now because of the pandemic. So it's not their fault. But it's kind of like they're having this job interview with Google and and you're just thinking, why are they doing the interview together? <laughs> I've, I've, I've never seen an interview where two adult grown people are like, they're, they're like, we were partners at our old job, so we're going to go for a job interview at Google. It's not even a job interview to get an internship at Google so that we can kind of like start a new career, but they're both being interviewed to get, it doesn't, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It's like you're watching it and you're going, well, why would they do it like that? And that's why the whole thing feels like it was written for someone else entirely. Like maybe it was a 1980s Bill Murray uh, vehicle and but they've written it 30 years later and, and yeah, it's awful. I wonder if it was just found in the back of a, a ring binder somewhere and, a, and they just went, do you know what? Like, I think this could work. I think it was exactly It, it was like meant it. to come off the back of Ghostbusters, but instead of that, they got... Well, know. have you ever seen the Rodney Dangerfield film, uh, Back to School? Uh, I don't know that I have. Rodney Dangerfield, I can't remember when it was made, like 1988, but Rodney Dangerfield is like a dad who's got to sort of... Um, uh, take his son to school and then he enrolls in a course and then he's kind of like this old guy on campus that's kind of more of a party animal than his son and it's kind of like it's exactly that but then they've cleaned it up because it's at Google and then they've gone but it's sort of a follow-up to the wedding crashes so then they've added these sort of like sex scenes <laughs> in it and you kind of like go well it's one thing or another it, and it feels like it was this script that they found and they said, if we make that main character into two characters and we add in some sex, then we can make this into a follow-up to The Wedding Crashes. And it's just awful. <laughs> it does sound horrendous. And it's not the sort of film that, you know, after repeated watching, you're going to find little bits that you do enjoy. It's just, it's going to get worse and worse. You're going to, because the premise sounds so flimsy. There'll be more and more instances where you just think, this is just fucking ridiculous this scenario because it's because it's basically endorsing google throughout the whole film they've sanded all the edges off of it so that every time there's any conflict or any conversation it's of it's dealt with in the most superficial lightweight way and then all of a sudden you've got a team bonding exercise where they all go to a strip club and kind of like perv over all these half-dressed women and then you kind of like go well, what's that doing in this film? It's absolutely. And did Google <laughs> sign off on that? Do you know what I mean? And I was just thinking about kind of like a film that I really think is terrible, like uh, The Master of Disguise, starring Dana Carvey. That's a that is an absolutely terrible film. But when you're watching the internship, you kind of like go, well. The Master of Disguise is so bad that it's kind of like you can't look away. Whereas the internship is kind of like, it's like there's nothing, there's there's no substance to it. There's no, it's like junk food, but like there's no nutrients to it. There's like nothing. Mm. And you can stop the film halfway through and you can pretty much go, yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, being trapped with that as your only film, one day you might think, well, I've got nothing else. I'll just, I'll watch the rest of it just as something to do. And it might turn out to be the best film ever. But it's not going to. Is it? <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, I'll never know. No. And that's fine. Yeah, it's weird when you can just turn something off halfway through and just be completely fine with it. I've done it a few... I've, I'm, I've got such a short fuse with these things these mm. days that I can do it quite easily and just get, 
this is my life I'm wasting now. It's not. It's not even a joke. It's my life. Yeah. So it's got to go. And I would actually just say that I am a huge Owen Wilson fan, and I really like Vince Vaughn. And them two together is kind of like a, you know. There's a bit in it at the beginning where Will Ferrell turns up, and it's kind of like great. You've got Will Ferrell and Vince Vaughn, and then you've got Owen Wilson. Whereas Luke Wilson was in old school with Vince Vaughn and Will Ferrell. So you've got kind of like a weird sort of reunion. And then you've got them three as well. They were all in the wedding crashes together. So there's all, obviously there's this Vaughn, Ferrell, Wilson collaboration thing where either Luke or Owen, doesn't really matter who's free on the day. Uh, and then we put them all together and they go. And it's this scene that sort of like just goes on forever and ever and ever. And it's just really sort of mean spirited and, and horrible and it's oh yeah it's just going into it thinking well there must be a reason I haven't seen this and it, it came out 10 years ago and to, to have not got round to seeing it and then we were just in Edinburgh and it was we were we needed something to watch let's watch something just whatever it is we'll just watch something just to <laughs> just to unwind at the end of the day and I've, fuck this let's go to bed we're going to bed we're going to bed <laughs> Yeah, when putting yourself deliberately unconscious is preferable to finishing a film, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, you've got a problem. Okay, fair enough. Um, now, finally, the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal is it and why? Cats. <laughs> Every time, cats. I've had this before and it can fall into the sort of, I hate cats or I love cats, but I still think they're dicks. Mm. Uh, which, which camp do you find yourself in? I'm allergic to cats. So if it was an island that was swarming with cats, I think I would struggle, even if we're largely outdoors. Mm. You know, when we were growing up, everyone seemed to have cats. So every time we went round for like a birthday party or something, I just like my eyes would seal shut and I couldn't breathe. <laughs> and then I'd have to I'd have to go home. So cats ruin sort of a lot of childhood birthday parties. And I think that they their supporters are so... Uh, vocal that they, they don't need me <laughs> I had a girlfriend that um, loved cats so much and every time she'd see one in the street she'd stop and talk to it and um, it would add hours to every journey <laughs> but I do find like when I'm very tired if I know when I'm very sad like depressed or if I'm tired because um, I will watch a video of a cat on Instagram or something and um, it will cheer me up. And then I go, oh, yeah, you are feeling very low today, Nick, because this cat <laughs> video has really hit the spot. But aside from that, like cats are always kind of bad news with me. Mm, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I have a cat, but um, I, I can very easily see why he's a dick quite a lot of the time. You mentioned your girlfriend who used to stop and chat to every cat that she saw. I, I know people like that, and it feels really strange when, even if you love cats, when there's never anything that remarkable about them. It's like, unless it's like a really massive cat that's like unusual or has a very interesting pattern that you've never seen, or it's a kitten, which, you know, is obviously quite cute. It's really weird when you're like, that's such a normal thing. Or like you're with someone who has a dog. They Dog people do it as well. And they're like, oh my God, look at this little dog. And it's like just a very, very regular dog. I think that sort of person is quite unusual. Yes. But, uh, but I, I mean, not unusual in that there are a lot of them, but I mean, it's strange. No, I, I think it's a similar reaction to babies. 
but like I understand it with babies. Babies are little people. And and I think dogs have sort of like the personalities of people sometimes, you know, where they've kind of mm. got with cats, I feel like and I haven't got to know many cats that well, but with cats I feel like, you know, they're kind of like above it all. And I think that in terms of personality wise, they're not particularly warm animals, you know, they're not kind of like they don't need me. Whereas a dog would be like, hey, how you doing? I can understand stopping in the street and saying hello to a dog. Dogs are starved of attention all the time. They love it. And you're kind of like giving them something that they love and they're grateful for it or whatever, you know. But with cats, it's kind of like, if they're not that into me, then why am I going to bend over backwards to make a cat happy? Yeah. And I think just being stuck with uh, with loads of them all that can make you ill. And even if you just get so annoyed with, at the people that you're with, you decide to kind of make friends with them or offer them a little bit of fish that you've caught, you're still just going to have that feeling of like desperately chasing something that doesn't really care about you that much, which isn't going to do wonders for your self-esteem. No. But I mean, maybe maybe that's maybe that's your journey in life, you know? Maybe that's it. You, you like to, you want to pour love into a bottomless pit and not see any return. And and that's its own reward, I suppose, in its own way. But I think that, um, yeah. And also, I went around my friend's house. They'd, they'd moved and they hadn't vacuumed yet. And they have these long-haired cats. And I just literally, my throat closed up and I couldn't breathe. So, like, if you take all my feelings aside and, and, and throw that out the window, I still wouldn't want cats on the island because it means that I can't breathe. Yeah, I mean that's that's a fair reason. I can't really argue against that. So yeah, it's it's um, it's a solid um, reason, and it's a, a good bookend to this podcast. So thank you for choosing a, a, an island full of people and things that are just a despicable combination when put together. I think you've done a great job, uh, Nick. You're um, still at Edinburgh now um, for till the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Um, if people are up there, when when and where can they see you? I'm on at the Pleasance Queen Dome at 5.25 every day. Um, and my show is called What Have We Become? And uh, it's brilliant. Yeah, I love it. I'm loving doing it every day. And um, I've had really nice audiences so far. So come along and join in. But not over-enthusiastically? Not over-enthusiastic. Just the right level of enthusiasm. Good. Okay. And people can follow you on social media and the usual places and that kind of thing as well. Yeah, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. That's what I... Those are my... Two, Twitter and Instagram, but more Instagram than Twitter, I would say. I think that's that seems like a good balance to me. Brilliant. Nick, thanks so much for coming on Desert Island Dicks today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. There you go. That was Nick Helm there for you, choosing the worst people and things to be stuck on an island with. Now, Desert Island Dicks, it's a sync clap production. That means it was created and originally hosted by James Deacon, although now he just helps produce it. He doesn't host it anymore. That's me, Dan Benedictus, and I produce it as well. And do you know what? Once I've done that, I usually send it to a guy called Chris Attaway, and he edits it all nicely and makes it sound better than it would otherwise. If you want someone to edit your podcast, you should give him a call. He's very good. 
What I would like is uh, a little a little favour from you. I would like you to go and leave us a rating. I know I say this all the time. We all do, don't we, podcasters? We're always saying, oh, leave us a rating and a review. Hit like and subscribe and all that. But you know what? It would mean a great deal to me. I'm not going to get into it. I don't want to guilt trip you, but it would just be handy in exchange for all the podcasts. Give us a little rating. I'm bad at doing it myself. But then when you do it, you realise how bloody easy it is. And um, and it would be great. So if you could do that, I would be eternally grateful. And I think that's it. We're going to be back soon with another great podcast. We've got ones that I've recorded and we haven't even put out into the world yet. So they're going to keep coming for a little while. And then we'll take a break at some point. But not yet. So don't you worry. You just keep subscribing. And well, you only need to do that once. You just subscribe and it will come right to your phone without you even doing a damn thing. Okay, thank you very much for listening. Oh, I forgot to mention thank you as well, as always, to John Deacon for his unwavering support. I couldn't forget you, John. Sorry I didn't put it in earlier. Um, That's it. I'll be back soon. Bye.